Sad Bastard. I'm your host, Dave Tarnowski. And it's not been a great week. I'm on my first downswing in over a month. For a little while there, I was counting the days since I've cried like a construction site counts the days without an injury. Right now, it's at zero. Working on letting go and moving on feels easier sometimes. Like last week. But this week I've been stuck solidly in sadness. And I know it's because this time last year my ex and I had gotten back together after our first separation. It was the anniversary of a time of hope that turned to dust four months later. I'm a sentimental fool. Anniversaries are always on my mind. Both the good and the bad. But after a breakup, they're all bad. I know the one four months from now, which will be a year since our final day together, will be even worse. But I'm glad I've been sitting with these feelings and not running from them. For the most part, at least. And I know I'm going to need to be on my own for a long time in order to fully get through this. I've always looked for partners to complete me. To forget the ones I had been with before them, who had made me feel complete. Well, not to forget, but to get beyond. Those spikes of love or limerence that come from being with someone new. Someone who makes it impossible to think about anything or anyone else. But I can't even fathom going on a date with someone new right now. Going through all of that bullshit to actively find love. Or just a good feeling. Maybe that will change. Maybe when I get back to New York in July. I mean, who knows what will happen. I am a relationship kind of guy. But I've changed a lot since the last time I was dating. I had started dating within months of my first wife and I splitting up. And didn't stop for five years until meeting my second. And devoted my life to finding that next person who would make me feel less alone. I obsessed over woman after woman while staying pretty much in the same place. I had told myself that I wouldn't date for a year after my breakup this past summer. And now, a year is just four months away, and I'm nowhere near ready to fully move on. And if I were to meet someone, it wouldn't be fair to either of us if I jumped into something serious just to feel loved. Just to not feel alone. It would be a recipe for disaster. I know I can't love anyone while I'm still in love with someone, and I don't want to. I don't want to deal with anyone else's shit. Not anytime soon. I have enough of my own shit to navigate right now. I was talking to someone recently and she argued that baggage is something you can put down if you want to. I disagree. Maybe some people can. I'm not one of them. 
Sure, sometimes I lose an old piece of luggage as time goes by. I can't carry it all. But I also can't just put down all of it. Because it's me. It's lessons I've learned and things I'm still learning from. Trauma and things I'm unlearning. Old stories that aren't true anymore that I still flip through. Feelings that I still have that I don't want to let go of. I'm in the process of letting go and moving on. And I'm realizing that process isn't just one thing. I'm letting go of a lot of ways that I used to be. But I don't want to let go of her, even though she's gone. I live with false hope every day, and I don't want to kill it. Maybe I won't be able to. Not for a while, at least. It's been eight months of excruciating pain and a roller coaster of emotions. But I know it's just the beginning. It's going to take a very long time before I'm over this. Someone once told me it takes half the length of a relationship to get over it. And if that's true, I still have just under three years to go. I don't want to bring that into another relationship. I know without a doubt, if my ex wanted to try again, I would. And I'd try my damnedest. How can I pledge my heart to someone if it's still owned by someone else? There's a line from a Queens of the Stone Age song, I appear missing, from their most excellent album, Like Clockwork, one of my top 10 albums of all time. That goes, pieces were stolen from me, but dare I say, given away. That's how I feel. I gave away my heart. I'll have to take it back one day, but I don't want to. There's another line from a song on that album, Colopsia, that I feel deep in my bones. I love you more than I can control. I can't control my feelings for my ex. I can't control the pain of the loss of the way she used to look at me. That album came out just three months before she and I met. On the recent episode of this podcast, High Fidelity, I talked about albums and songs that arrived in my life during breakups, but this album that came out before we ever knew each other existed has so many songs that speak to what I've been dealing with during the aftermath of our breakup. Music never leaves. It may break your heart, but it also helps put it back together. You may have to avoid listening to a song or an album that triggers you when you're going through the shit tunnel and still can't see the light at the other end. But then you go back to it and it's like an old understanding friend. And you can cry with it, be completely vulnerable, and it's just there for you. No judgment, giving you that advice and the answers you already knew. Sad songs don't lie. They speak the unspeakable. The pain you're going through that you can feel in every fiber of your being. You know where it comes from, but talking about it 
putting it into words just doesn't express it completely. And then the sad song comes along and does all of that. The lyrics don't even have to match the situation you've been through exactly, but it's what's between the words and behind them that hits you in that spot where your own words fail you. It's the sadness in the voice carrying them to your ears and into your aching soul. It's the beauty of the music that tugs at those feelings and drags them out into the light. I took a long break from listening to sad music during the saddest of winters. I was feeling sad enough. I didn't need to add to that, I told myself. But this month I've allowed myself to be pulled back into it. Maybe it was the High Fidelity episode. Maybe it was Phoebe Bridgers playing I Know the End on Saturday Night Live. The final song on her most excellent album, Punisher. A song that never fails to make me cry as soon as it starts. Not even a wronging thinking it would add to my misery. I needed it to help my pain feel seen. And now it's a constant companion again. Just like the tears I had been trying to avoid. Avoiding feelings is a plan that is always doomed to fail. I can try to push away thoughts and memories, good and bad but equally painful. But they are always there, lurking in my mind. You create a lot of memories with a person when you're with them for years, from the mundane to the profoundly beautiful. The little things that you used to cherish will pop up into your mind whenever you do anything similar on your own, or whenever you feel a certain way. The ghosts of what was. Just as there are memories of the bad times, the really bad times, when all of that sweet stuff got swept away. Those are the ones that make it so hard to let go of someone. You ache for how things were before the bad times came. An excruciating yearning for something that once was that can never be again. It's so hard to understand why those couldn't be revived. How is it possible that they could never look at you the way that they once did? That those feelings could simply vanish as if they had never been there at all? I think it's that feeling that is the hardest of all to cope with. And only sad songs can really tap into that. The song Pictures of You from The Cure's masterpiece of sad bastard music, Disintegration, begins with the lines. I've been looking so long at these pictures of you that I almost believe that they're real. I can't not think of that song whenever I flip through the photo library on my phone and go back in time to those happy days and see my ex looking at me taking her photo with the deepest, purest love for me in her eyes. Those beautiful moments frozen in time. As Robert Smith sings later in that song, if only I'd thought of the right words, I could have held on to your heart. 
Same here, Robert. Same here. Now on to submissions from my followers on Instagram. First up is AJ, who wrote, I want to go on dates, but also focus on myself. Can I do both? If it's just dates, I say yes, of course. Just be honest with them. Tell them from the outset that you're not looking for anything serious. You just have to be prepared for them to not be interested in that. It's great that you know you need to focus on yourself, AJ. Going into something serious if you're not ready can be building something on a weak foundation. That said, you never know what will happen. You could find something while not looking for something serious that is the best thing you never knew you wanted. Which can be wonderful. But if you know you're not ready to commit to someone and do it anyway, you're doing both of you a disservice. B wrote in, My mood is changing so fast I've got whiplash. I so hear you there, B. Just a week ago I was great. Excited about my future. And today I'm looking at old photos of my ex and crying my eyes out. Can't recommend getting diagnosed and treated enough. I mean, sure, I'll still have to deal with mood swings for the rest of my life. And sadness will always be there lurking. The pandemic just makes things even worse for everyone. Lack of human touch is absolutely unhealthy. Most of us are feeling untethered. I often wonder if I would miss my ex as much as I am right now if I had someone else to hug. Probably not. Maybe treatment for you is the right thing. I don't know. I don't know the full story behind your mood swings. But at the very least, I would start with therapy. Talking out your feelings with someone, feeling understood, getting professional advice on how to cope. These things are all invaluable. Also, simply talking with people you know and love even just over the phone or FaceTime or whatever, can help stabilize you. I talk to my mother every day, something I hadn't done in years, and other family members and friends here and there. And just doing that has made me feel connected to a larger world outside of the bubble I've been stuck in. Rita wrote, How do I find beauty in these ugly times? I always think about the little things, going for a walk and looking at the trees, watching dogs play in the park. Do things you like doing, simple pleasures. Watch TV that'll make you laugh, read a good book, and try your best to not focus on the ugly shit. It's very easy to get caught up in the bleakness so daunting right now as there's no end in sight to this pandemic. It will eventually end. We just don't know when. And that not knowing makes it harder to envision life as we knew it. All those little things that we took for granted. I constantly feel like I'm just waiting. 
Waiting to feel better. Waiting for things to get better. Waiting for the next step. And so life becomes something to fill with distractions to pass the time until who knows when. But things will get better. The ugliness will pass. I have to believe that. Kay wrote in, The guy I love is ghosting again. Says he wants to work at it. Then nothing. Kay, there are a couple of things here. One is that maybe you just need to let go of this guy. You're worth more than this. We all are. The other is maybe he's ghosting because he just doesn't know how to start doing the work. Maybe he doesn't even know what the work is. I didn't know until it was too late for my marriage. And maybe I never would have known what I needed to do while we were together. I didn't learn a lot of it until after. I'm still learning. I don't know if there's ever really just one answer to anything, really. Hopefully he figures it out before he loses you. Sana wrote in, Why don't we sometimes see things until we are ready? I think the answer is simple. It's denial. The thing we finally see when we're ready is something we already have seen, but don't want to admit. I've always been one to not listen to other people's advice until I came around to the same conclusion on my own. My ex, bless her, knew that I needed therapy pretty much right away. But no matter how often she urged me to talk to someone, I put it off. When I was finally ready, I found a therapist and went in for my first appointment and the floodgates just opened and outpoured way more information than anyone could process in an hour. I didn't know I was ready until I let go and dove in. And with some things, it's the opposite. You have to let go and get out. A bad relationship, for instance. You can be in the unhealthiest relationship ever, but not see it because you're in love you don't want to see it. And it's not until you're ready, until the truth is so clear that it steps in front of the love and yells at you, that you find you can leave. But sometimes things never happen. We are unwilling to move. We never feel ready. We're scared. What if we make the wrong decision? What will life be like afterwards even if it's the right decision? And so we spend so long avoiding jumping in or leaving and live in a state of suspended animation. We know what we want to do, what we have to do, but we wait. And we could spend our entire lives waiting and regretting or the choices made for us, which can be even worse. Neil wrote in, how do I develop confidence as a writer? And a good friend harshly criticized my writing and it really stung. 
Neil, whenever I create something that I'm unsure of, a meme, a podcast episode, or the fiction writing I used to do that maybe I'll get back to one day, I always fear people aren't going to like it, or they're just not going to care. But I felt that less and less lately. I've gotten to a point of confidence where I just do the thing and put it out, and if people like it, great. And if they don't, well, that's fine too. You are never going to make a fan out of everyone. I always think back to the same old advice I repeat time and time again that my old fiction writing professor gave me years ago. Allow yourself to suck. Sucking is the thing artists fear the most. But working through the suck is the only way to get good. And it's the only way to let go. And if you ask someone's opinion, you need to be prepared for it to not be a rave review. And you also need to be okay with that. Of course it should be constructive criticism, especially if it's from a friend, not just, I didn't like it. Don't be afraid to ask questions. They may have some valid points. Taking a writing workshop is a great thing too because it gets you out of your own head. It keeps you from being too precious with your writing. And it cuts through a lot of the bullshit in your head that holds you back. Sierra, one of my favorite contributors, who has become a good friend of mine, wrote in, trying to forgive myself for wanting to reach out to someone who hurt me badly. Sierra, I've found that self-forgiveness is the key to growth. Beating yourself up over things you did, things you should have done but didn't, moments of weakness, these things do nothing but hold you back. The only way to move forward is to learn from your mistakes. And not just things you did wrong to others, but things you did wrong to yourself. And that includes allowing others to make you feel bad. No one can truly make you feel bad. They don't put a gun to your head and tell you to feel bad. It's up to you how you react to what others do or say. Often we react defensively because what they are saying is something that we either fear is true or know is true and hate it. If you fear you're a fraud, someone calls you out for being a fraud, your fear is exposed and turns to anger. We lose control of ourselves, our emotions. Sometimes we'll even be mocked for that, called sensitive as if that's a bad thing. We're told we're being defensive because, well, duh, of course we are. I've had a lot of experience with this kind of shit in my life. And in a way, I'm glad, because I've learned how to deal with people in ways that hurt me less. I've learned to stop taking things so personally, especially someone who is being an asshole to me because they feel small and insignificant or whatever the case is, and they want to feel better about themselves by trying to make someone else feel worse. And this is how self-forgiveness is the key to forgiving others. 
Holding on to anger towards someone for things they did or said can hurt you just as much as regretting things you did or said. Because not everything's about you. And I mean the royal you, not you specifically, Sierra. Though it is true that not everything is about you, nor is everything about me. Well, I mean, except for this podcast, pretty much. But what I'm saying is we're all just people. We fuck up. You can only control your actions, just as others can only control theirs. What others do is more about how they feel than it ever is about you. You wanting to reach out to this person who hurt you and resisting was in itself an act of self-forgiveness. You forgave yourself by deciding not to reopen that wound. Which brings me to the final submission this week from Umema, who wrote, Life's really hard, and I wasn't prepared for this. Umema, this is hands down the greatest thing anyone has ever written to me. Life is a fucking asshole. None of us are prepared for it, because we aren't born knowing anything about how to live. We learn our first lessons from our parents, or whoever raises us, and these people are, well, they're people, and they only know what other people have taught them, who only knew what other people taught them, and so on. And people can really suck. Or as Nick Cave says, people, they ain't no good. And people are the exact things that make life so hard. But we need people in our lives. We need connection. We crave love. Yet we get in each other's way all the time. We annoy each other. We betray each other. Often we hate each other. We look down on others. Often the people who raise us instill the belief in us that we're better than others. We are always looking out for our own self-interests. And if we don't, we will be walked all over by others who are looking out for theirs. My favorite part of this Umema is your name. I googled it to get the correct pronunciation and also found this definition of your name which granted it's from Urban Dictionary, but all dictionaries are created by people containing information other people made up. It says, Umema is a sensitive and emotional woman with a very charming manner, who is eager to please and be liked in return. She is rather outgoing and seeks the company of others with whom she is sociable communicative, and particularly accommodating and helpful. So I find it pretty on brand that someone with your name, if names predetermine our destinies, would find it difficult to navigate through life. Anyone eager to please is going to be easily disappointed in others and or themselves. I know this from being one of them. People never make things easy. And as eager to please as I am, I don't make things easy. 
Pleasing people is something that has always been in my own self-interest. I want to be loved by everyone, which is an entirely unreasonable desire and inevitably leads to lots of disappointment, which leads to withdrawing from people and not even wanting to try in order to avoid further disappointment and pain. Being rejected by others makes us feel less than. It's why I'm nervous about my future. I'm 43, single, about to move back home, which is in New York City, one of the biggest and least friendly places there is. I'm starting over somewhere incredibly daunting at an age where most people are typically well into the groove of their lives. So yes, Umema, life is hard and I'm not ready for this. But ready or not, here we are. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Rate, review, and share. And follow my Instagram accounts. Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, Sad Peaks, and the Sad Bastard Pod. On Nick Cave and the Bad Memes and Sad Peaks, I host Q&As, where you can tell me what's on your mind, and I might respond to your submission on a future episode of this podcast. I'll be back next week. Until then, take care of yourselves, love yourselves, forgive yourselves, let go of the things that no longer serve you. They're taking me down, my friend As they usher me off to my end Will I bid you adieu? Will I be seeing you soon? What they say around here is true Then we'll meet again Me and